Um, scripture readings today are going to come from all over Proverbs, so it would be easier just to follow me in your bulletins. A fool takes no pleasure in understanding, but only in expressing his opinion. The vexation of a fool is known at once, but the prudent ignores an insult. If one gives an answer before he hears, it is folly, it is to his folly and shame. A fool's lips walk into a fight, and his mouth invites a beating. There is one whose rash words are like sword thrust, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. The one who conceals hatred has lying lips, but whoever utters slander is a fool. Doing wrong is like a joke to the fool, but wisdom is pleasure to a man of understanding. The way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man listens to advice. Like a thorn that goes up into the hand of a drunkard is a proverb in the mouth of fools. A rebuke goes deeper into a man of understanding than a hundred blows into a fool. If a wise man has an argument with a fool, the fool only rages and laughs, and there is no quiet. Leave the presence of a fool, for there you do not meet words of knowledge. Let a man meet a she-bear robbed of her cubs rather than a fool in his folly. The wisdom of the prudent is to discern his way, but the folly of fools is deceiving. Answer not a fool according to his folly, lest you be like him, yourself. Answer a fool according to his folly, lest he be wise in his own eyes. This is the word of the Lord, and it is absolutely true, and it's given to us in love. Thank you, Diane. Um, my name is Harrison. I'm the associate pastor here. If I haven't met you, I'd love to meet you. Um, this uh, topic, we've been going through the book of Proverbs, and this topic's the biggest one in Proverbs. So that's why I try to fit a lot of verses uh, in there. Um, so the sermon kind of feels that way. But I want to give you guys the teachings on this, the path of the fool from Proverbs. Um, Halloween is coming up, and uh, I'm not, I don't always watch scary movies, uh, but I've seen one called Bird Box. Anybody seen Bird Box in here? Kind of made a splash when it came out on Netflix. Bird Box is about these alien creatures who arrived on Earth, and if any human sees them, if you lay eyes on them, your eyes glaze over, and uh, the people immediately try to hurt or kill themselves when they see these aliens. So these aliens are kind of invading creatures, and they go around, and um, all the humans who see them are driving their cars into houses, jumping off roofs, banging their heads into the wall. Um, and all the protagonists have to walk around with blindfolds uh, so they don't see the aliens. Uh, so that creates a lot of the, you know, the suspense and the thriller aspect of the movie. So uh, these aliens uh, are a pretty similar concept to folly in the Proverbs. Folly is an invading presence in God's world. It, uh, it's evil, it's roaming the streets, and any per person taken in by it suddenly starts making decisions that hurt themselves. They take actions that damage their lives and the lives of others around them for no reason. Folly causes us to bang our heads against the wall needlessly. Folly causes us to live our lives against how God made the world, against the grain of wisdom, and it leads to self-sabotage. And uh, around Halloween, I typically think of those influenced by evil look like, um, you know, someone crawling on the ceiling, like, 
you know, uh, scattering over or trying to attack you physically. And Proverbs today is going to redirect that uh, thought and adjust it. Say the real version of someone taken in by evil is just as dangerous, just as destructive, uh, but it looks like a fool. So we've been uh, preaching through the book of Proverbs. It's filled with the wisdom of God uh, that, that teaches us to sail our ship of our lives towards goodness and shalom uh, and the grittiness of our everyday decisions. And remember, there's four main paths. The path of the fool is one of them. But uh, that we can walk in Proverbs. One is the, the path of wisdom, uh, which is the one we want to be on. Another is the, the path of the naive or the simple. Uh, and Jim talked about that for us. And then next week, we'll look at the path of the scoffer, the wicked person. Um, so those are the four paths, the, the, the wise, the, the simple, the fool, and the scoffer. So uh, Proverbs focuses on three aspects of our folly. Uh, we're going to look at, so first, what does folly look like? The first biggest task that Proverbs has for us is just naming folly, noticing it and naming it. Second, what do we do with the folly of others? Uh, when you engage with folly in the world and you're always around it, how do you handle it? And then third, what do we do with our own folly? Uh, all of us in here are either fools or recovering uh, fools. How do we repent to uh, free ourselves from our folly? So before we dive into these Proverbs, let me pray. Father, thank you for your wisdom. Uh, thank you for not leaving us in the midst of bird box. Uh, us making so many decisions that wreck and sabotage our own lives and those of others. Uh, teach us a better way this morning. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So first, uh, what does folly look like? Uh, Proverbs wants you to notice and name it. This is crucial for us, I think, because folly is so prevalent in our culture that you're kind of like a fish swimming in the water of folly. Folly is on your social media, it's on TV, it's in your boss and coworkers, it's in your country's leaders, it's in your celebrities, it's in your siblings and your family, and it's in your own heart. And so fish don't know what water is. Uh, we are fish in the water of folly. It's hard to notice. And so I want to first focus on noticing folly in somebody else. Uh, I think it's easier to, to look at a different fish and realize, wait a second, there's, there's a little bit of folly in and around that fish. And then that will help us then say, wait a second, I'm in that same water. There's folly in and around me. Um, so there's 10 warning signs uh, that Proverbs gives us to, to notice folly. Um, and right now I'm going to just kind of name each of these signs and describe it shortly. It's a, it's a lot of signs, right? Tens a lot. Um, but I want to give you just an overall picture to take away of what folly looks like. And I'm going to lay all these signs out in a made-up story about a fictional exchange that you have with a coworker, uh, poor uh, Jimmy the intern. Uh, bless his heart, Jimmy is struggling on the path of the fool, and you're about to uh, run into that. So 10 warning signs of folly. So imagine this, this made-up story. Uh, you're at work. You send out uh, an email to a bunch of people about something general that you don't think is a big deal. You don't expect any replies from others about this email. Um, but Jimmy, the intern, uh, misreads your email. Jimmy sees a personal critique of himself in your email. You weren't thinking about Jimmy at all. Email doesn't actually apply to Jimmy. But Jimmy uh, thinks it's all about him. Uh, have you ever misread an email before or had one of your emails misread? Happens a lot. Now, instead of Jimmy asking you questions, 
Uh, you don't get a response back say, hey, it seems like you were critiquing my work here. Is that what you meant to do? Or instead of Jimmy seeking you out in person, hey, uh, I felt hurt a little bit by this email. Could you help me understand what you meant by this? Instead of those possible paths Jimmy could take, uh, there are no questions from Jimmy. There's a first-glance judgment of your email, immediate, lengthy, angry reply from Jimmy, uh, CCing your boss with cutting, aggressive statements towards you based on the misreading. I feel the management of our company is extremely low in quality. I hope someone with more integrity and foresight will be able to uh, be more thoughtful about their emails, et cetera. You know, you know what you guys know what I'm talking about. Um, now, your email could have been unclear. There could have been mistakes on your side in this scenario, but. At this point in the story, the, the Proverbs would say the first two signs of folly have appeared in, in poor Jimmy. Sign number one, Proverbs 18.2, a fool takes no pleasure in understanding, but only in expressing his opinion. So in other words, uh, someone walking the foolish path will not take the time to understand you or the actual meaning of your words. Someone on the foolish path will ask you no questions. You will be misunderstood because he cares about uh, not understanding your meaning, but about what he thinks. He'll respond based on his own faulty opinions because he uh, takes pleasure in his opinion, but not actually in hearing you. So that's sign number one, uh, no questions asked. Also, I knocked down some uh, sound thing in here. Hopefully that's okay. We'll find out later. Um, Second sign, so sign number one, no questions from Jimmy. Sign number two, the immediate angry reply. Uh, this is Proverbs twelve sixteen. The vexation of a fool is known at once, but the prudent ignores an insult. Twenty nine eleven. Uh, a fool gives full vent to his spirit, but a wise man quietly holds it back. So another marker of the foolish path is this, this angry reply. Uh, the fool does not know how to hold back any of his emotions doesn't know how to overlook an offense, doesn't know how to forgive. The wise, on the other hand, know how to count, they count the cost of fighting about everything. The time, the energy, the emotional toll, and they know about how so many tense situations are often just misunderstandings. So they hold their full emotions back at the right time. They know how to overlook small hurts and move on. But the fool uncontrollably just blows up about every perceived slight to his person. So you get this long, angry email from Jimmy, 10 minutes after yours, immediate anger, sign number two. And in this scenario, you read it, and you're like, okay, I'm going to need to sit down, talk this through with Jimmy, my whole day's gone. You take time to prepare for the meeting, you pray about it, you write some things out, you're trying to remember what your counselor told you, I'm going to just apologize for the misunderstanding. I'm only going to say, I statements, I feel this way. Try to say nothing that implies Jimmy did anything wrong. Say it in a way he can receive it, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So you sit down with Jimmy, and as you start speaking, trying to clear things up, you start reading your little paper. Uh, sign number three, Jimmy the intern immediately interrupts you mid-sentence, cuts you off. Proverbs 18.3, if one gives an answer before he hears... It's to his folly and shame. So someone on the foolish path starts arguing with you before you finish your sentence. This is because, again, he only cares about expressing his opinion. So he interrupts. And his interruption uh, is typically a bit aggressive and hostile uh, because he wants to fight. And this is sign number four, actually. Proverbs 23, 
It's an honor for a man to keep aloof from strife, but every fool will be quarreling. And then 18.6, a fool's lips walk into a fight. His mouth invites a beating. So sign number four is quarrelsomeness. A fool is the kind of person you look at and say, man, that guy's got it coming. Man, I hope he says that to the wrong person one day. His mouth invites a beating. That's what it's saying. So let's pause uh, here. Four signs of folly have come up in poor Jimmy. We don't want to Jimmy harm, obviously, but uh, he's asked no questions. Immediate angry reply interrupts you mid-sentence. Being quarrelsome, wants a fight, and you're trying to stay calm. So you're starting to get a picture of what folly looks like in the Proverbs. And we're going to keep going. Um, Notice, uh, as you go, you start noticing Jimmy is, as he's talking, his words are cutting you. They're hurting you. His words tear you down. And this is sign number five, uh, 1218. There's one whose rash words are like sword thrusts, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. So someone on this foolish path uses his words as a weapon to slash you. The speech of the wise in Proverbs, on the other hand, is described as uh, gentle, sweet, judicious, persuasive, thoughtful, and healing. The words of the wise give you life. They build you up. The fool's words do the opposite. They damage and you realize, uh, through his words, uh, you realize, man, uh, Jimmy has been holding some hidden anger against you for quite some time. And uh, now this is kind of, it's, it's hit at the breaking point, it's all coming out. And that's actually sign number six. Uh, the one who conceals hatred has lying lips, and whoever utters slander is a fool. So there's a, a hidden anger that's, that builds and builds and builds. It's a sign of folly. It can lead to slander, talking behind someone's back, but... Um, all this blow-up doesn't originate at once, is in other words what it's saying. So uh, in this scenario, you're, you're wounded now. Uh, going back to Jake's sermon last week, you're wounded by these words. Uh, you're trying not to get angry yourself. You're trying to convince Jimmy that this is a simple misunderstanding. But as time goes on in this conversation, you notice sign number seven. Jimmy is not open to correction at all or any other perspectives. Uh, Proverbs 12, 15, uh, the way of the fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man listens to advice. 28, 26, whoever trusts in his own mind is a fool, but he who walks in wisdom will be delivered. So someone on the foolish path is always right according to himself. He always knows what's best. No one can tell him any differently. Even the person who sent Jimmy the email has no authority to tell Jimmy what it says. So you are getting just defensiveness, defensiveness from them, just more folly. You're not getting anywhere in your conversation. Sign number seven. So Jimmy's doubling down. They're, the folly just keeps going. Sorry, there's, there's like three more. Um, as he does this, he's getting even more annoying. Um, he does something even worse. He begins to, to try and teach you. He starts quoting wisdom to you. He might quote the Bible. You know, uh, Jesus says you're not supposed to judge other people, right? Clearly, your email was judging me. Proverbs uh, points out that there are religious fools out there, actually. An especially hypocritical version of the fool. And when he quotes wisdom, uh, one of the funnier Proverbs, uh, sign number 8 appears, 26.9. 
Like a thorn that goes up into the hand of a drunkard is a proverb in the mouth of fools. Like a thorn in the hand of a drunkard. What that means is that Jimmy's wisdom is that thorn in his drunk hand, meaning his wisdom that he gives you only hurts and condemns him. His own proverb, uh, he's telling you not don't judge me, all he's doing is judging you in that process. He's trying to shine a light on you, but he turns on the flashlight and it's actually facing back towards him and it blinds him in the face. Oh. Here's another funny proverb about religious fools. Um, like a lame man's legs, which hang useless, is a proverb in the mouth of fools. 26.7. Uh, when your life shows the exact opposite of your words, your words hang useless. Like a lame man's legs. They mean nothing. So the picture of folly is getting more filled out here. Uh, Jimmy's asked no questions, immediately expresses all of his emotions, no control, interrupts you mid-sentence, quarrelsome, hurting you with his words, concealing hatred against you, isn't open to correction, quoting wisdom to you that really only condemns himself. And all this is escalating, and uh, as it does with a fool in conversation, and you realize it's kind of getting out of hand, so you invite other people into it. You bring in HR. Like, all right, can you come in and try and talk to me and Jimmy? And even with HR in there, um, Jimmy still isn't budging. He's completely stuck in his misunderstanding. And this is sign number nine, uh, Proverbs 27, 20. Crush a fool in a mortar with a pestle, along with crushed grain, yet his folly will not depart from him. So mortar and pestle, you know, is that little uh, mallet thing, and you're in the bowl, and you're crushing. Uh, crush Jimmy in there, and... Bless his heart, his folly ain't going to come out. No matter what you or others say or do, Jimmy's not going to listen. Nothing's going to make him listen. Uh, here's another funny proverb. Uh, a rebuke goes deeper into a man of understanding than a hundred blows into a fool. A hundred blows. hundred blows. A hundred bar fights that Jimmy gets into. A hundred hospitalizations for Jimmy will teach him less than one rebuke for a wise man. All this leads to sign number 10. As the conversation escalates, Jimmy grows more and more set in his ways. He starts blaming you and blaming HR for ruining his day, his career. He's the big victim. He's yelling. His eyes start flashing back and forth like a cornered dog. HR tries to say something to calm him down, and he's honestly about to get fired. And Jimmy... Goes, calm down, me, are you kidding? <laughs> this is sign number 10. If a wise man has an argument with a fool, the fool only rages and laughs. There's no quiet. Proverbs 29.9. This is where hard conversations lead with a fool. This is the insanity at the heart of folly. This is the bird box uh, moment. Someone stubbornly set on his own destruction. No one feels safe in the room with Jimmy anymore. He's lost, he has so little control over his words and his anger. And so you get out of there, you're leaving the room, and as you go, you hear finally HR saying, Jimmy, it's about time to find another place to work, buddy. And maybe a counselor as well. So that's the full picture of folly in the Proverbs. Uh, Ten signs. Asking no questions, fully venting emotions, interrupting others, looking for a fight, tearing down others with their words, hiding your anger, not open to correction, quoting wisdom that only condemns yourself, will not change no matter what, 
raging and laughing like a madman. I wonder if you see, notice those in your own life or the lives of those around you. If you're in the same world I live in, there's so much, right? Some of us are thinking about a coworker right now. Like, yeah, my boss is pretty on point with this. Some of you are thinking about a friend that you've been trying to hang in there with, but it's hard. She never listens. Ah. Some of you are thinking about a parent or a sibling you grew up with who live on this path. It's so devastating to be under the control in the house with a fool. Some of us are thinking about our spouse. It's hard to love someone on this path. It brings a lot of hardship. And some of us, like me, are thinking about ourselves. I'm a recovering fool, and I'll say more about that at the end. But I want to say right here, uh, there's hope in Jesus for Jimmy the intern. There's hope for us. There's hope for you, hope for your husband or wife, hope for your parent, for your sibling, for your boss, and for your friend. And the first take-home at this point in the sermon is God's wisdom is telling you this, get comfortable noticing and naming folly. God wants to show you what it looks like so that when you see it, you can say either, either in your head or out loud, wait a second, that's folly. I know that path. God showed me that path. That's not for me. So I'd urge you, I hadn't put all these in here because I want you to take this home and uh, to burn these Proverbs in your brain. Memorize them. You don't have to memorize the exact words, just the concept of it. Um, uh, something like, hey, I know that a fool takes no pleasure in understanding, so I, I, need to, I need to ask questions more of others when they say stuff. So burn those in your brain, because we want to be a church that pauses when the path of folly opens up. Kind of like a park ranger, you're like, wait a second, that path has jagged rocks, quicksand, black widow nest right there. That's not the path for us. Let's not go down that path. Grizzly bear tracks? No, sir. No, that, that, that's not the path God made for us. So number one, that's what folly looks like. Let's get comfortable naming it, seeing it, naming it. And so second, when we do see it, let's say we see it in others, how do we handle it? Uh, Proverbs teach us how do the wise engage with folly. And then in the last point, we'll look at how to engage with our own folly. So first, how do we handle the folly of others? Uh, Proverbs is very clear on this point that you must set a boundary with someone on the foolish path. Uh, Leave the presence of a fool, for there you do not meet words of knowledge. Proverbs 14.6 Do not speak in the hearing of a fool, for he will despise the good sense of your words. Proverbs 23.9 Make no friendship with a man given to anger. Nor go with the wrathful man, lest you learn his ways and entangle yourself in a snare. Proverbs 22, 24. There are a lot of other warnings that I couldn't fit in here about not hiring a fool, about not giving honor to a fool, about not trusting a fool, and about not empowering a fool. All are very dangerous things to be avoided. God is teaching us healthy boundaries. Boundaries that protect you and keep you on the path of wisdom. 
counselors in here, we have a lot of counselors at our church, who work with hurting people know exactly what this is talking about. So much of counseling is people relearning wise, healthy boundaries in the midst of other people's folly. Proverbs says we need these boundaries because folly is incredibly destructive. Uh, Proverbs 17, 12, this is a funny one. Uh, Let a man meet a she-bear robbed of her cubs rather than a fool in his folly. Uh, How dangerous is a mama bear who doesn't, whose cubs were taken from her, robbed from her when you encounter her? Proverbs is saying it's safer to meet her than a fool in his folly. Jimmy, the intern, think about it, left a pretty big wake of pain in his rearview mirror. A lot of wasted time, a lot of hurt people, pretty big mess. Someone else is going to have to clean up. Part of the destructiveness, actually, of folly, too, is that it leads other people into folly. This is Proverbs 14, 18. The wisdom of the prudent is to discern his way, but the folly of fools is deceiving. So you might have a, a teenage child who you thought used to be pretty wise, started hanging out with the wrong crowd, a uh, group of fools, and suddenly uh, your child is a lot less discerning about everything in life. Others' folly has deceived them. The, the fool is a pretty powerful false teacher. Make no friendship with a man given to anger, lest you learn his ways and entangle yourself in a snare. What, that's, what that proverb is saying is a snare is a hunting device that lures you in with bait and traps you. And it's saying that's what folly does to you. It, it traps you. Being around folly inevitably turns you into a fool. You get caught. So, uh, Proverbs is saying, don't spend time around it. It's dangerous. It's deceptive. It turns you into a fool. Now, the, the simple, the naive that Jim talked about, simple don't draw any boundaries with the fool. They don't want to rock the boat. They don't want the fool to be upset with them. I'm just going to go with the flow, put up with this. And they go on and suffer for it. The wise surround themselves with the wives. The wise. They set up boundaries between themselves and the snare of folly. Now, I want to name, it's not always easy to draw this boundary. Um, Sometimes you can't leave the presence of a fool. What if I have to be in close relationship with one? Uh, What if, Harrison, for instance, I made a lifetime commitment to a person who right now is on the foolish path? It's my husband. And, uh, you know... Um, being foolish alone isn't grounds for divorce. They're not cheating on you or physically hurting you. They're just really hard to talk to and live with. Some of us may live with, right now, a, a foolish parent or a foolish sibling, and you're not old enough to move out. And your mom refused to kick your sibling out, even when you asked. <laughs> or you work for a fool in a job where you really just can't get out right now. But there's a lot of fool bosses, guys, aren't there? Out there, out there. We got a lot of fools in power out, out here in the world. Um, what if I can't leave the presence of the fool because of my situation? So Proverbs has two answers to this. Uh, very simple, back to back. Proverbs 16, 26, uh, 4 and 5. Answer not a fool according to his folly, lest you be like him yourself. Answer a fool according to his folly, lest he be wise in his own eyes. That's your answer. There you go. Uh, That's wisdom. So Proverbs has situational applicability, is what we call it, uh, meaning that you have to figure out which one applies in which situation of your life. 
So we have the same thing in our culture when we say Proverbs that are not from the Bible, just kind of our, our cultural Proverbs. There's, you have too many cooks in, in the kitchen. You can have too many cooks. And then also many hands make light work. Uh, right? Both of those, you're like, that's a contradiction, right? But actually, if you live in a regular life, you're like, no, no, it's actually not a contradiction because if you're in Harrison's kitchen, which is really small, and there's uh, more than one person, you turn around, you run into each other, immediately you're like, you feel in your bones, there's too many cooks in this kitchen, right? But if you're moving Harrison into his house, you got a lot of people, you got a lot of stuff in that truck, you never feel for a moment there's too many cooks in the kitchen. You're like, no, 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 many hands make light work, right? You got to discern which situation, a lot of you guys helped me move in, thank you. Um, a lot, you got to discern which situation you're in, right? This is the same thing with these two Proverbs uh, here. So um, one situation is saying, uh, there's a time when you must not answer a fool according to his folly, lest you be like him yourself. In this situation, uh, to answer this fool will not change him in the slightest. It will lead to an escalating argument. You will only be drawn into his folly yourself. And the wise know how to discern this situation and not answer even if it means overlooking the dumbest statement you ever heard in your life, right? Even if it means overlooking an insult, even if it means forgiving a hurt, even if it means no resolution to the situation. The wise know how to move on with their life. It's not worth it. Don't answer a fool. Second situation, uh, there's other times when you actually should answer the fool, lest he be wise in his own eyes. Meaning, this is the time where you need to call this guy on his folly. Because it could change things. Somebody needs to stand up to this guy. Uh, he needs to know the truth. And he needs a chance to change and respond differently. So uh, which one should you do at work tomorrow? I don't know. <laughs> you have to discern the situation. Now Jesus uh, is an expert at dealing with folly. <laughs> if you think about the Gospels, most of the stories in the Gospels are just Jesus dealing with a fool. Um, trying to you know, answer him or not answer him. And so think back to all the things you saw Jesus do with, with the folly around him. Uh, sometimes he, he answered a fool according to his folly, called it out directly. Woe to you, Pharisees, you whitewashed tombs. Answered a fool directly. Sometimes he invited the fool into wisdom. Remember the prodigal son story? Older brothers, won't you come into this feast? The young, this younger brother was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. Why are you pouting? an invitation. Sometimes he just lamented over the fool. Oh, Jerusalem, how often I would gather you under my wings, but you were not willing. Sometimes he warned the fool. Unless you also repent, you likewise shall perish. A lot of times, Jesus was subversive. He told parables, little stories. Remember the, the lawyer trying to catch Jesus, asking the question, Jesus, uh, you, you, know, you say love our neighbors, but who, who really is my neighbor? And Jesus, in a super weird way, uh, goes, well, you know, there's a man going down the road from Jerusalem to Jericho, fell in among robbers, and certain people passed him by, and then the Samaritans stopped and helped them. And so who do you think really was his neighbor? And the, the fool, the lawyer, has to say in front of everybody, based on this little story, it's the Samaritan which uh, everyone knows the answer. And uh, basically, Jesus makes the, the fool give the answer in front of everybody to his folly. Uh, Jesus is coming through the back door on this guy. 
And lastly, uh, remember Jesus often did not answer a fool according to his folly at all. He let them rage and laugh and mock and said nothing. So this is how you handle the folly of others. Uh, After, so kind of second homework, after you burn those first signs into your brain to recognize folly, then you add these proverbs to say, when you see it, okay, um, is this the time when I leave the presence of a fool because I'm not going to meet words of knowledge? Is this the moment? Or, uh, oh, is this when I don't answer because I'll be drawn into that folly myself? Or is, or is this the time where I do answer and, and because I don't want them to be wise in their own eyes? This is what wisdom looks like. This is what wisdom thinks about in the face of folly. And if we did this, we could be a church that deals with folly the same way Jesus did. Out there and in here. So, we've seen what folly looks like. We've seen how to deal with the folly of others. Setting boundaries, answering, not answering, based on the situation. And then let's end with how do we deal with our own folly. Like I said before, uh, I'm a recovering fool. I didn't grow up with these categories at all in my head. I didn't know how to name folly. I didn't know any of the warning signs of folly. I didn't know how or why you would avoid folly. Definitely didn't have any wise friends. Uh, Did not uh, grow up seeing, even in my own family, my parents in, in a long, happy marriage, Um, I was a fish in the water of folly, like many of us. I I drank it in. I spewed it out. But Jesus, uh, during my time in high school, relentlessly pursued this fool. He found me. He taught me that he came to die for my folly. He gave me freedom for the first time to live a better way. That he was teaching me himself a path of wisdom. But uh, the high school kid is still in there, right? Still in there. He's at my shoulder uh, in my living room, up here, back here in the office when I'm working, kind of like the, you know, the good angel, bad angel, the bad angel, saying, don't, don't let him finish the sentence. You know what he's going to say. Don't wait to hear the others. Your, your opinion, I mean, that's the good one, right? Like, just say it now. Don't wait to hear them. Or, ouch, that that hurt a little bit. I don't know if she meant it, but I need to be authentic and say how angry I am at that. Or, this conversation feels like it's escalating. Should we take a break? No. Double down. If I give in to these voices and temptation, my family gets hurt. My coworkers get hurt. I get hurt. I sabotage my own goals and dreams and hopes of life. When this high schooler buds to the surface, I have to choose, do I follow my path or will I surrender and follow Jesus? I'm a recovering fool. And maybe uh, you guys are too. And so what can help us? Three things, real quick. First thing the fool needs is forgiveness. Your folly has hurt a lot of people. It's destroyed, it's deceived, it's ensnared other people in folly. Your kids might be fools because of you. And your folly is exactly what Jesus came to die for. Jesus isn't mainly on the cross because that cuss word you said that one time in front of your teacher. Jesus is on the cross because of the darkness and strife that's in your living room every day. He was tortured and killed 
and suffered hell for all the times you cut someone deeply with your words. For the times you lashed out in anger, the times you refused to listen, when you raged and laughed, Jesus died for that. His death takes away that dark cloud of shame that covers the head of the fool. Those moments don't have to define you anymore. Those sins are stones that he's cast into the depths of the sea. No one can find them. And so, fools, you are forgiven in Jesus. Second, fools need power. Without the Spirit of God, the Bible says you can't know wisdom at all, much less follow wisdom. Without the Spirit of God, none of the memorizing this stuff is going to do anything for you. You won't get it. But if you put your faith in Jesus, you are reborn by the Spirit. You're made a new creation. Meaning your sinful nature no longer has power over you. Which means that for the first time in your life, you now get to choose, do I take the path of the fool or can I turn and walk in the path of wisdom? If you're in Christ, you have that choice today. And we must rely on the Spirit even in choosing that now. Pray for help. God, help me to engage with others in the place of wisdom. Otherwise, I'm going to choose this one. I'm going to go back to the foolish path. Help me. And if you ask God to teach you, he will. And lastly, once you have the forgiveness and the power, fools, you need God's wisdom to guide you. Proverbs says to seek this like silver, search for it like hidden treasures, burn these into your brain, bring them up to the front of your minds when you're talking to somebody. Remember like this, like, oh yeah, the wise care about understanding, not just saying their opinion. Um, honey, can, can I just say, am I hearing you say this? Am I right? Am I understanding you well? Oh yeah, uh, the wise don't speak before they've heard everything. I'm, I'm so sorry, man. Um, you finish first and then I'll speak. I'm sorry for interrupting you. The wise know how to restrain their f- full emotions. Uh, okay, let me take a moment outside. I'm so sorry. Let me cool off a bit and come back in and let's revisit that. This is practically what it looks like to fear the Lord. This is what it looks like to lean not on your own understanding. It's letting God guide you in the nitty-gritty of your life. The wise would also ask someone you trust, uh, a friend, a mentor, a spouse, you would go to the, the wise would go to them and say, hey, which of these am I struggling with in our life? Can you help me understand where, where do you see these showing up for me? There is much hope in Jesus for the fool. And I just want to think about how much of a blessing you could be to others if you stopped hitting your head against the wall every day. How peaceful and enjoyable would your family be? How great would your workplace be? How great would our our community groups, our church, our friendships be if we all lived on the path of wisdom and not on the path of folly? Let's pray. God, please let it be so. As we go from here today, teach us your wisdom in the midst of our folly. Amen.